Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews and chapter number 13, the book of Hebrews and chapter number 13. We are on our final message of dealing with the book of Hebrews. We started Hebrews chapter 1, and we've walked through it bit by bit by bit. I believe we've had 27 messages of walking through this book. And again, with that 27, there's no way we could have dived in deep and dug everything out. But enough to give you a survey, a good understanding of it, so you could go and dig in this book for yourself. And as we finish up this message here in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 13, we understand that it ends talking about God. Remember, the whole book of Hebrews is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and giving us more information of who Jesus is. And so this message is no different, pointing us up to the Lord Jesus Christ, pointing us up to God, pointing us up to who this God is who loves us so very much. And so if you don't mind to take your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter number 13. The book of Hebrews chapter number 13. And notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 18. Hebrews 13 in verse 18. Notice what the word of God says. Pray for us for we trust we will have a good conscience and all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in a few words, knowing that our brother Timothy is set at liberty, with whom, if he come shortly, I will see you. Salute all them that have rule over you, and all the saints, they of Italy, salute you. Grace be with you all. Amen. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we see the name of God in the book of Hebrews chapter 13? Hebrews chapter 13, and notice with me in verse 20, notice the name of God, the God of peace. The God of peace. And with the Lord's help, we'd like to explore this passage and explain more about what this God of peace desires for us. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I'm thankful that we could trust you, that we could depend upon you. I'm thankful that you love us and that you desire for us to have peace. I'm asking that you would speak to us now. Draw us close to you. And if there's someone in here that does not have peace, that you would let them know that they can have peace and they can have it today. Again, 
for me, I don't trust myself. So the best I know how, I surrender myself to you and ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit so that way you can use your word to tell more about who you are and what you want for us. We love you and in Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite names of God, of course, would be the Comforter. It's a name that God gives, Jesus gives the Holy Spirit, of course, in the Gospel record of John, that he talks about the Comforter. What a great idea to have a Comforter. Someone that could go beside you in your bad days and your good days to give you comfort. Well, another one of those names of God that helps us out is the God of peace. The God of peace. So many people today are looking for peace. That is something that is in the absence of their life. In fact, if you look at a lot of religions around the world, the goal of that religion is peace. Whether it's something out of the idea of Buddhism, that Buddhism has its ultimate form. What you're trying to do is arrive at the place of peace. Whether you're looking at Hinduism with all of its reincarnations and its ultimate goal is to reach a state of peace. You look at Taoism, you look at these other things. Think of all of these religions, when you look at them, the final goal is for people to have peace. People are looking for peace. People want to have peace. There's a war that's going on and there's an unsettledness that people have. But the thing about biblical Christianity is that peace is not the goal. Peace is something that you can have on a daily basis. You can live your life in a life of peace because of who God is. He is the God of peace. Now, of course, before anyone could have the peace of God, they first of all have to realize a couple things. They have to realize that they're a sinner. And because of their sin that they've offended a holy, righteous God. And it's because of that sin that we don't have peace with God. But God wanted us to have peace with him so much that he sent Jesus. And Jesus, who was God, robed himself in flesh and came on this earth. Lived the same life that you and I live. And then he died on the cross to pay that debt that we owed God. So that way God is no longer angry with sin. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us. The Bible says that he is our propitiation. The word propitiation in the book of 1 John chapter number 2. Speaks about that God is our propitiation. That means the appeasement of God's wrath. That God is no longer angry with us for our sin. Because Jesus took the payment. I'm so thankful that our relationship with God can be fixed. That sin is no longer a barrier. That before you can have peace... That's what needs to be settled first is that you have to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But as you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can continue in peace. May I show you this? We're going to come back to the book of Hebrews in just a second. But I'd like to show you what the Bible has to say about this matter in the book of Philippians. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. The book of Philippians in chapter number 4. You know, this is such a big idea because so many people do not have peace. They have a turmoil. They have a storm just going around in their soul and their mind. And they're not at peace. They lay awake at night and they're unsettled. They're not at peace. That even dealing with the idea of trying to have 
a fellowship with God. They're not at peace. And they're missing something. And that's what people are looking for. They just want peace. But again, biblical Christianity says not only is it not the goal, but you could actually have it on a day-to-day basis. You can have peace. Notice what the Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to read it through and then we'll walk through it. But notice with me Philippians chapter 4 and notice with me in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. So notice this. In verse number 9 it speaks about the God of peace. And then in verse number 7 it says the peace of God. Did you know that the God of peace wants you to have the peace of God? And this is something that Christians can have On a daily basis. Not as the goal. But as a lifestyle. You can have a lifestyle of peace. How is it that you can have the peace of God. From the God of peace. Well the Bible here in the book of Philippians. Says there's three things that we have to do. Three things that need to be secured. We understand that this is already having the idea that you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That you've already settled that debt with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done. You've accepted Jesus to pay that debt for you. That's what you have to do in order for God to no longer be angry with your sins. That that debt must be paid. The gift of God is in Jesus Christ who gave us this eternal life. Notice if you don't mind here, as it says, we as Christians, there are three specific things that God says for us to have the peace of God from the God of peace. Notice the first thing in verse number six and seven. Be careful for nothing. The word careful carries also with the idea not to be anxious, not to be worried. And we all know people who are worry warts, people who live their life worrying about what's going on, whether worrying about family or worrying about the news or worrying or anxious. They're, they're not at peace. Notice this, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's the first thing here? Trust God with everything. Trust God with everything. What do you mean by everything? Everything. Whether it's little or whether it's big. Trust God with everything. This is what it's speaking about. Be careful, be anxious, be worried for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I'm trusting God with everything. Whether it's little, God, 
Help me as I'm trying to find a parking spot. You know, there's some people that freak out over parking spots. They just, oh, where's this? Can't get parking spot. Where's it at? And it's ruined the whole day. It could be something small. It could be something big. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. This bill's here and it needs to be up there. Lord, but in everything we could trust God. With Thanksgiving. What is the Thanksgiving for? Have you ever thanked God for answering your prayer before he answered it? That has a faith to it. Lord, I thank you for taking care of this. Lord, I'm, you said that you would hear my request, so I'm going to trust you. Whether it's someone who's not saved. Lord, I know they're not saved yet, but I thank you already for saving them. I'm anticipating that that's going to happen. And I'm, I'm getting on board before it happens. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I need money to pay this bill. Lord, thank you that I could trust you that you're going to supply it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but Lord, I trust you. Trusting God with everything. Why are we so worried? Because we feel like we have to handle it. But when you trust God to handle everything, it gets rid of all that anxiety that we have. Trust God for every little thing. Not only that, notice if you don't mind, a second thing. Not only trust God for every little thing, notice in verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Second of all, to have the peace of God from the God of peace, control our thought life. Control our thought life. Our thought life is what causes us. Where do you not have peace at? It's because of what you're thinking. Your thought life is where the lack of peace is coming from. Whether it's something like, all right, I'm not going to look at Facebook no more. I'm not going to turn on the news because guess what? There's nothing good. There's nothing lovely. There's nothing of good report. There's no virtue, no praise. We're not supposed to think on those things. Yeah, the world's falling apart. Let me tell you, there's nothing you can do about it. You're watching the news didn't fix a single thing. Yes, we need to be know about things in our world, but we can't dwell on them. There's many other things to dwell on. You ever hear the phrase, stop and smell the roses? Why? Because we get so busy doing things that we don't enjoy the moment that God has given to us. Whether it's a beautiful day, whether it's birds singing, God has given us so many things to enjoy, but we miss out on enjoying because we're thinking about all the garbage that's going on. Garbage is never going to stop, but we can enjoy the life that we have regardless. We have to control our thought lights. Think about this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. That means that only to think about true things, things that you know is true. May I give an example? I am a time conscious person. In fact, I'm almost obsessed of time. I'm always obsessively early. It's just how I'm dwelt up. I meant late for me is that means I'm 15 minutes early. That's late. All right. So because I'm time conscious, I also expect others to be time conscious. So what happens in my mind, I have an appointment with someone at 6 o'clock. And so at 5.45, they're not there. So what happens in my mind 
Where are they at? What's going on with them? I start to think about things and I don't know what's going on. That's the whole problem. I don't know. And so five minutes tell. All right, come on. They don't show up at six. See, they didn't care enough for me to show up on time. This isn't important to me. Ten minutes, they're still not there. You know what? And I'm starting to think bad things about them. I don't know what happened to them. I'm starting to attribute things that may or may not be true, but I certainly do not know them to be true. It could have been that they have a flat tire and they're out in the highway somewhere. I don't know what happened, but because I am not thinking on things that are true, the only information I know for sure is that they are not here. That is the only true statement that I have. I cannot attribute motive to them if I don't have the facts. And wouldn't that be true that we often attribute motive to people? And we don't know what they're thinking. The reason why they didn't do that is because they don't like me. I don't know that. The Bible here says if I want to have peace... I can only think on those things that are true that I know to be true. That's just only the first one in here. We could take a whole message speaking about this. Whatsoever is true. Whatsoever things are honest. There's a lot of dishonest things out there. And how many times do we think about those dishonest things? Whatsoever things are just. There's a lot of things that are not just out there. But God's always good and God is always right. We can concentrate on him. Whatsoever things are pure. There's a lot of defiled stuff out there. Let's think about things that are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Well, there's a lot of ugly stuff out there. Think about the lovely stuff. You understand that when we do opposite of this list, we bring up anxiety in our own mind. And we don't have peace because we're thinking about the garbage. Whatsoever things are of good report. What good news have you heard? What is good about this life, your situation, whatever else? There's got to be something good about it. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, God says that we could have the peace of God from the God of peace. First of all, in this passage it deals with, if we trust God for every little thing, then we learn to control our thought life. Purposely think about good things rather than the garbage, what we usually dwell on. I want you to think about your thought life. Think about it today, maybe the last 24 hours, maybe the last week. If you were to put a ratio proportion, how many of the things that you thought about were bad things? The what ifs? The things that you don't know is true. The things, motives for people that you don't know is really their motive. No wonder we don't have peace. Because we're not thinking on true things or lovely things. So we understand that God can give us and God can help us with our thought life. By the way, to try to change it on your own is impossible. But you could say, God, I need your help to control my thoughts. Help me to think things that are true. I don't know why that person looked at me sideways. It could be because they weren't even thinking about me. You understand? We can't attribute motive. Lord, help me to think true things. Right things. And God can help us. Notice there's a third thing here about having the peace of God from the God of peace. 
Verse number 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Remember that whenever you see this and breaking this up, what it's trying to do is it's trying to slow down the reader or the hearer to pay attention to each of these things. So the things that you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. If we're going to have the peace of God from the God of peace, we have to obey. We have to obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. As the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, he says, you know what, there's things that you have learned of me. Do. The things that you have received of me, whether it's in letters or writings, do. The things that you have heard, whether I preach them, do. The things that you've seen patterned in me and how I carry out my life, do. If we're going to have the peace of God from the God of peace, we have to be obedient to him. There's no way we're going to have peace with God if we refuse to do what he's told us to do. It's a simplistic thing. Are we obeying? Now God says that we can have the peace of God. So much so that it's a peace that passeth all understanding. What does that mean? It's a peace that doesn't make sense. Whether it's, as we brought it before, Horatio Spafford writing the song, It is well with my soul on the spot where his daughters perished in the shipwreck. How can you do that? A peace that doesn't make sense. A peace that passeth all understanding. Because he's able to trust God that God is good, God is right. I can trust him. I could trust him. There's another song that was written in the midst of heartbreak. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. That was written as a 23-year-old had lost his wife and his kids in a house fire. And in the ashes of that house fire, he was able to write that song. Why? It's a piece that doesn't make sense. It's a piece that passes all understanding. You know, the world watches us. And they see how we handle things. And they see that we have tragedies. The Christian life is not the absence of tragedies. But it's able to trust God in the midst of them all. And when the world's able to say, why aren't you miserable? I see the things that are going on in your life. Why aren't you miserable? Because God's still good and God's still right. It doesn't make sense. How can you not be miserable? How can you not be crying? Because God's still good and God's still right. And eventually they say, I want to have that peace. I want that. Because the world is looking for peace. And this peace only comes from God. Remember, for many of the religions, peace is the goal of that religion. But for us, it could be a daily habit, a daily thing we enjoy. You can have peace with God from the peace from God every day. Now, with that being said, turn back with me to the book of Hebrews. And as we saw a little bit before describing about this peace that cometh from understanding and understanding that we can have peace with God on a daily basis. It can be a lifestyle. Notice what God wants to do with us because he is the God of peace. Notice if you don't mind as we come to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. The first thing I want to show you is that the God of peace allows us to have a good conscience. The God of peace allows us to have a good conscience. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 18. Pray for us, for we trust, 
we will have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. But I beseech you the rather to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. The Apostle Paul is writing to the people who are the audience of the book of Hebrews. He says, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. Why? That we could have a good conscience. That I could live my life in a good conscience. You know, it's amazing. The Bible says quite a bit about having a good conscience. To have a conscience that doesn't bother you. Have a conscience that is correct with the people. Uh, We're turning back here. But let me just show you quickly some passages that the Bible speaks about having a good conscience between him. Notice with me in the book of Acts chapter 24. Acts chapter 24 is the apostle Paul is standing before uh, Felix. And he's standing in judgment trying to figure out what we're going to do with it. What we're going to do with this Paul guy. Paul begins to tell his testimony and begin to tell about how he came to know Christ as a Savior. And what God has done with him. Notice with me in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16. And herein do I, Paul, exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards people. Paul says, guess what? I work. Notice he uses the word exercise. I exercise, I work at it, that I would have a conscience void of offense between God and man. I work hard to try to make sure that there is nothing I do that offends God. I work hard that there's nothing I do that purposely offend others around me. I work hard at it. I work hard to have a good conscience between them. What an amazing testimony Paul was able to say before Felix. That I have a conscience void of offense between God and man. This is something the God of peace wants to help us with. That if we work hard to have the peace of God. Meaning that we can do those things that the Philippians said. That we trust God with every little thing. That we work on our thought life. And that we try to be obedient. Then as we do that. That God wants us to have a good conscience. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have a clear conscience? Not have a conscience that's burdened down because we messed up. Well, you understand that if you're not trusting God for every little thing, you're going to try to take things in your own hands, and then we're going to mess it up every time. I'm not going to show for a raise of hands, but how many of you mess things up that God wanted to do in your life because you did it yourself, and you try to take hold of it? You try to fix someone yourself, and it didn't work out the way that you expected it to. How many of us, because we didn't control our thought life and we grew aggravated, lashed out at others around us because we didn't control our thought life? We understand this all carries the idea of having a conscience void of offense between God and men. If we strive to have a peace with God and God can help us to have this. Notice with me in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9, and if you don't mind, notice with me in verse <coughs> in verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Jesus' blood was to shed 
was shed to allow us to have a good conscience before God. I'm thankful that we can have a good conscience. It's part of what the God of peace wants us to have. You know why a lot of people don't have, have peace with God? Because their conscience eats at them. It bothers them. But Jesus died to forgive us of all of our sins. To wash it away. White as snow. Never to be brought up anymore. And that once you sin, once you're saved, you have 1 John 1, 9 in the Bible. If you confess your sins, he's faithful just to forgive you of your sins. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We don't have to walk around burdened with an awful conscience anymore. That's part of what the God of peace has granted us. With this idea, turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. Or 2 Corinthians, rather. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. That Paul worked to have a good conscience with people by depending upon God and not his own wisdom, making things as simple as possible. Whenever we start making things more complicated, we, d- we start losing the peace. We start to get more anxious, more worried because there's more things we have to do. Keep things simple. Keep things simple. So when anxiety starts going up, keep it simple. What does the Bible say? But, 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 what does the Bible say? Is God still good? Yes. Is God still right? Yes. Keep things simple. He said that's the easy way to keep your things conscious. Keep things simple. He says, I work hard to have a good conscience. So turn back with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13, where we left off. We're talking about the God of peace. And the very first thing here is that the God of peace wants us. He allows us to have a good conscience because of Jesus shed blood. That we don't have to have a bad conscience. And that we could work at having a conscience void of offense between God and others. And without a bad conscience, then there's less anxiety, less worry, more peace. Because we're right with God and we're right with others. Notice there's some, some uh, second thing here in this passage here, dealing with the God of peace who wants to give us the peace of God. Notice if you don't mind, the God of peace is able to work in us to make us well-pleasing in his sight. God is able to work with us to make us well-pleasing in his sight. Notice with me in verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, in whom glory be forever and ever. God is working in us so that way we will be well-pleasing in his sight. Now it started by talking about Jesus died for us and he rose again. And then he 
as he rose again, he paid that price. He paid the blood with the everlasting covenant. He's our great shepherd of the sheep. He cares for us. And as the great shepherd, he's working to make us perfect. That word perfect means to make complete or to make whole. He's trying to complete you so we can do his will. It is done through Jesus Christ and not our own power. But Jesus Christ is continually trying to work in you. He's trying to do something so that way he can make you well-pleasing. We're not going to turn there, but one of the things that um, we'll be covering soon in Resurrection Sunday, uh, that evening, that he wants to present us before God well-pleasing, with rejoicing. And the book of Ephesians, as it talks about the correlation between Christ and the church and the husband and the wife, one of the pictures that he gives there, the uh, moving pictures, is that he has the picture of the wife, but as you look at her, he wants to present her without spot and without wrinkle. In that wedding picture there, these moving pictures, as you watch her, instead of getting older and older, The wrinkles are going away. The spots are going away. The blemishes are going away. Wouldn't that be a great wedding picture, ladies, to have? That you're getting younger and younger instead of older and older? But that's what Jesus is doing in us, is that he's washing us with his word. He's working at us so that our image is one before God, well-pleasing. That he wants to present us That he could say, look and see what I have done. I've worked hard on this person, God. Let me show you this. It's almost like a child who wants to show you their their painting that they did in school. Daddy, look and see what I did. They want to show it off. Well, that's what Jesus wants to do. God, I've worked hard on this masterpiece. See what I've done. I want to present them to God well-pleasing with rejoicing. This is what Jesus is doing for us. He wants to make us perfect in every good work to do his will. He wants to make us so we're an instrument that he could use us to get his work accomplished on. Working in you that which is well pleasing in his sight. Christ is working with us. This is what the God of peace can do. You know, some people don't have peace because they have no purpose. Why do I exist? Why am I here? When you understand that God has a great purpose in your life and you surrender yourself to allow him to do something with you, your life will count. It will matter. It will be full of purpose. And that does bring a peace. People are wondering, why am I here? Why do I exist? Am I just a waste of space? No wonder they don't have peace. I want to tell you that God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And you can know it. And he wants to work on you to make you an instrument usable by God. And then he wants to use you with a goal that he could present you and say, let me show you this instrument here. What a great God that we have. That God wants to use you. What peace that brings when I have a purpose. God has something for me. There's one more thing here I want to show you about the God of peace. That the God of peace is able to help us get deeper into God's word. That God, the God of peace is able to help us to get deeper into God's word. Notice with me in verse number 22. I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word 
of exhortation. For I have written a letter unto you in a few words. Now this is specifically talking about the book of Hebrew. And you can see Paul's humor in here. Where he says I've written to you a letter in a few words. Well the book of Hebrews is more than a few words. And he's saying I, uh, I pray that you suffer the word of exhortation. He's saying there's a lot to it. This isn't one of those books that you could read through and say man I got that. That's good. The book of Hebrews is meant to dive into to dive into it, to dig into it, to see it. The book of Hebrews, its teaching and scope spans so deep and so wide. It goes through the Old Testament system and explores it and shows you how you could see Jesus Christ. It talks about the angels and compares the angels to Jesus Christ. It goes through and talks about this Order of Melchizedek. You remember it said several chapters of the Order of Melchizedek. Even to the place where he could start it preaching on the Order of Melchizedek. And he watched some of the crowd kind of go to sleep. And he said, listen here. The reason why this is boring is because you're not right. You're not. And he goes through. Remember that? He went through there and said, this, is, this should be exciting stuff. You should be ready to hear the message of Melchizedek. This is good stuff. And God says, I want you... Not to be where you just get a surface reading. I have so much more for you. I want to help you out. That means we don't just stay on the light and fluffy stuff. You know what? There is light and fluffy stuff. There is good stuff. I'm always concerned when I ask people how's their Bible reading. And every time I talk to them, they're still stuck in Psalms. Now Psalms is good. It's a place of great encouragement. But there's a lot of light and fluffy stuff. And that's why people stay there. You can't live a life on the dessert table. You got to get some meat into you. There's some good steak in there. There's some good things into you. I know preachers who say, you know, I'm just a gospel preacher. And so I'm just going to preach the gospel records. And I'm not going to worry about everything else. They're missing out on so much. God wants us to give us grace to dig into it. That we can know him more. And get wisdom and discernment in these passages. You know so many people think the Bible is such a hard book. That you need a certain guru to tell you what the Bible says. And so because I will never understand it. I'll, I just won't even bother reading it myself. They're missing out. The Holy Spirit's the greatest teacher. And he can illuminate and show you the things. God wants you to dig in. He wants you to dive in. He wants you to know more. Because this book is a book about God. And he wants you to know more. This is why our next series is the Minor Prophets. Most people never touch the Minor Prophets. But there's so much into it that teaches us more about who God is. And we need that. And no wonder Christians... Don't have a lot of peace. Because they've been raised on the light and fluffy stuff. But when you know more about God. And are anchored into God's word. And you see how God has been working consistently with people. That anchors you down deep. You dig a deep well. That will not be destroyed. Something always to dig from. You always have water in the desert places. The book of Isaiah talks about. That the more that you... Dive into it and dig. And there's a lot of stuff to dig. There are things that I don't know about the Bible. But I look forward to learning about them. And studying about them. Digging into it. And when we do that, that keeps us from floating away. Why do some people say, well, I've been in church for 30 years and I never got anything out of it? 
light and fluffy. And they're missing out. They never got anchored in. And no wonder they don't have peace when they've been surviving on light and fluffy. Because light and fluffy won't help when you're in big crisis. But God will always help. And the more that you know about him, the more that you could trust him. God here is speaking about the God of peace. Let me ask you, do you live a life that would be characterized of one of peace? I gave this illustration yesterday to the soul winners. In the book of Acts, chapter 6 and 7, they had Stephen, who was someone who was known for the word of God. But the people hated him. And so they actually put up a trial and they hired people to lie against him. So can you imagine you're placed on the stand, you're in a short court case, they have every intention to kill you. That is their goal. And they hire people to lie against you. Now, if you heard people who were lying against you and you knew they were getting paid to lie against you, how would your countenance be? How would you be faring? Would you be someone be characterized to peace? But it speaks about in Acts chapter 6 and verse 15 that it speaks about when they looked upon Stephen, it was like looking at the face of an angel. What does that carry the idea? It was a face full of peace. He was able to trust God when they were currently present in his face, putting him on an illegal trial and purpose to kill him. In fact, they were very shortly going to kill him. And he had a face of peace. Where did that come from? Because he was anchored to God. God gave him a peace that passeth all understanding. A peace that did not make sense. All of us would be very sympathetic to Stephen if he was upset. Wouldn't you? And imagine if you were on trial. How would your countenance be? Peace would probably not be the thing that would be on your face. Later on, chapter 7, he goes on and gives a defense. They get tired of him. They run him outside of the city. They put him outside of the city. There's usually a pit with rocks around it. They throw him in the middle of the pit. They take the rocks and begin to throw them down. His face is being hit. He can feel the bones crack. Blood begin to pour down. And you know what he says? Lord, forgive them. Where does that come from? The God of peace. That did not come from Stephen. That came from the God of peace. A peace that passeth all understanding. And God wants you to have that peace. So let me ask you again, dear friend. Is your life one that could be characterized as a life of peace? Meaning internally, do you live day by day with the peace that God wants you to have? Peace is not the goal Peace is a lifestyle that we could have every day. And God wants to grant it to you. It doesn't matter what challenges. In fact, there are many things that legitimately does not allow you to have peace. But you could have peace regardless. Amen. Because of the God of peace. Who wants to give you the peace of God. If you don't have peace, can you identify what's not causing you to have peace? Maybe it's because of anxiety and worried. 
Can you trust God for every little thing? Maybe it's the idea <laughs> that you're not obedient. You know that there are things that you're not obedient to. And you know that your conscience is not right between God and other people. You can get that fixed. Maybe it's your thought life. That as you think about things, inside you're in such turmoil. You can have peace. But God's going to have to help you with that thought life. But are you someone that is characterized by peace? You know, the world is looking for peace. And if they finally meet someone that is categorized by peace, they're going to be curious enough to say, I want what that person has. They're tired of hearing about religion. They're tired of hearing about Christians. They want to meet one. Are you someone that is categorized by peace? That even though you have problems and issues, we're not saying the absence of problems, we're saying even though you have problems and very real problems, do you have peace? A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that can only come from the God of peace. If you do not, let me tell you, you can have it today. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not have peace of God because of your sins, then today is the day you should accept Jesus as your Savior. Get that settled. Have peace with Him because of your sins. If you are a Christian, let me tell you, you should have a life of peace and you could have it today. You just have to go to Him and say, God, this is where I need help. He will help you. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.